All right. Well, good to see everybody. Um, just to uh, kind of introduce a little bit more of who I am. Um, I, I've been living here, um, you know, my name is Joseph Brasher. I've been living here in Murfreesboro about three years and uh, originally from West Tennessee over on the other side of the river. And so uh, my wife's from there as well. I grew up in a little town outside of Martin. Have you have ever heard of UT Martin? A little town called Sharon. You can't say Sharon. You have to say Sharon over there. And so uh, that's, where I, that's where I grew up. And my wife's from Milan, not Milan. So if, uh, you know, we just say things a little bit different over there. We like to say y'all, you know what I mean? So uh, uh, as you can tell on my tan line on my face, I like to kayak fish, okay? So I wore my hat backwards yesterday and uh, didn't put on enough sunscreen. So let's just uh, state the obvious of what happened. So uh, I've got two daughters, Ellie Grace. She is 11, about to be sixth grade uh, You know, this week. And uh, she's, uh, she goes to Blackman. She's going to be doing basketball cheerleading. So we're getting ready for that kind of life right now. And uh, then our got an eight-year-old, Abby. She's our little firecracker. And if, uh, if you ever met Abby, you will not forget it by any means. Uh, she likes to share a lot of truth, you know, just kind of, you know, she'll look at you. She'll say some stuff. But uh, beloved Abby and been married to Brittany uh, for uh, 14 years. It'll be September the 1st. And so that's been exciting just being with her. Uh, and so uh, I, over at New Vision, you kind of say, what does an adult minister do? Adult, you know, I oversee all of our groups uh, that are over there. So anything that's involved with group life, you know, that's a big part of what I do. In fact, that's how Stephen and I got connected, is that uh, whenever Stephen was coming to New Vision, and uh, he started with our young adults, and he was leading our young adult group. And so it's exciting to see some of those that have connected from our young adult group here and so, uh, so good to see you guys. You know, it's almost like a mini family reunion again, you know. So, and I think that's exciting. I, I think what a, what a testimony to the kingdom of the Lord, you know, that we can all just uh, help and serve. And I just remember praying for you guys as a church and just uh, being, you know, being there with y'all and just uh, praying through about Stephen coming here. So excited that he's here and uh, continue to pray for him and Tiffany, right? You know, as we always do. So, uh, all right, so we're going to jump in. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, if you're first time back or first time here, you're going to get kind of a little caught up. You know, if uh, maybe you've been out for a little bit, that's, that's totally fine. Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you have what's called the Sermon on the Mount. You know, this is kind of Jesus's, uh, you know, his, his main sermon that he gives in the Bible. And, you know, some people say, you know, you could see this in other, you know, gospels. That's right. And, you know, this wasn't the only time that Jesus would teach these things, but this was kind of the main time when they gathered together. I, I've actually had a chance to go to Israel and have seen the beautiful valley and where this happened. It just flows and looks down into the Sea of Galilee. And so it's just an amazing place. It's kind of even interesting of how, you know, it provides a natural, almost a theater, you know, there with, uh, with how people can hear in that valley. So when you kind of think about the number of people that were there, uh, Jesus was sharing with, you know, and often we kind of sometimes we just casually read through these chapters, read through some of these verses. But I want to tell you, a lot of what Jesus was sharing here was very radical. And in fact, it goes through a lot of what we talked through uh, and saying about today is that he was going straight to the heart. So when you're reading these things, you're going to see these little statements that are made. You've heard it said before, right? Do not murder. But then Jesus comes along and he says, you know, but I tell you that even if you look with somebody with hate that you have already committed murder, right? So once again, what's he going to? The heart. 
right? You've heard it said before, do not, you know, uh, commit adultery. But I tell you that if you even look at somebody with lust in your heart, that you've already committed. So what's he going to? He's going to the heart. And so a lot of what he was doing is he was just turning on his head. And so the beginning of the sermon, which y'all have been going through this series, is the Beatitudes. And it's really kind of cool. The, the way that he introduces each one of these is with this word. And you can just underline it there. Your Bible's blessed, right? You ought to be underlining blessed. You know, that. And it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like this, this word, just happy, right? But also, it's this promise, this promise that's, that's coming along with this. You know, so he's saying, blessed are you, right? And, and it's kind of like in parenting where you think about of how there could be these times whenever, even in parenting, that we motivate our children sometimes with, with promises, right? I promise you if you do this in your life, then this will, will happen, right? I promise you, if you make good grades, this is going to happen. Now, we know parents, sometimes if we're promising that if they don't do something, you know, that, that tail going to get whooped, right? You know what I mean? But, uh, I mean, that's, that's the promises that are there. And, and so we got to see that, that there's this promise. What's he ultimately saying? Hey, what I'm telling you, it's worth listening to. You know, that's the way Jesus is introducing each one of these. He's using that word, word blessed which says you know this has value for your life it's not it's not the promise that you're going to be richer healthier or more prosperous or anything like that it's a promise that if if you follow these things your life is going to be more fulfilled in christ and let me just kind of show you three quick things about the purpose of the beatitudes first the beatitudes are the attitudes that we are to be that's the be attitudes right it's not as much things that we're doing but it's who we are it's who we are to to be they're characteristics that Jesus defined for his followers of how to live in this broken world. Second, the Beatitudes are the marks of other believers, right? I should be able to see these things in your life as a follower of Christ just as much as you can see them in mine. And then finally, the Beatitudes highlight our need for Jesus. You, you see, somebody can really easily, and there's, there's some people that do, so they go through, you know what? Hey, I, I've got mercy, right? Check. You know, I, I've got... Uh, I, I hunger for righteousness. Check. Right? We go through the whole check. I'm, I've got peace down. Check. I'm a peacemaker. And, and real easily, sometimes they think, well, you know what? As long as I got all this down, then I must be good with God. And they want to look at it and they want to say, well, that's just a checklist for salvation. Friend, that's not true. What Jesus is showing here in these verses is how all these things are possible only through a relationship with him only through relationship with him. You, you see, someone can read the Bible every day and not love the Lord. But someone who loves the Lord, they're going to want to read the Bible. And, and so we have to understand of, of what this really kind of looks like. So let's, let's just kind of transition into thinking. And as we look at these verses, look there at verse 8. And that's where we're going to just kind of just dwell in today more than anything else. Look at what it says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So what's Jesus mean whenever he's saying pure in heart? You know, when we think of purity, you know, we often associate it with the absence of impurity or the absence of error, absence of filth, right? Sometimes that's kind of hard for us to understand, right? You could think sometimes you bought the most perfect product, Right? But yet, whenever you go to Amazon, there's always, you have the five-star reviews, but there's always going to be somebody that's going to have that what? One-star review, right? Go to Google. You know, this is the, the best restaurant in the whole entire world. 
There's all the five-star reviews. But then there's going to be somebody that didn't have it. That's what I say. We, we sometimes, we can't grasp because we look at things and there's always seems to be something wrong with it, doesn't it? You know, in a relationship with the Lord, when we hear the word purity, we have to understand it's a reference as well to God's holiness. Holiness is a prerequisite for entering God's presence. It's impossible for us individually. That's why we need Jesus. Now, here's the key on this, though. The original language has purity in heart, referring to, yes, holiness and absence of impurity, but it even goes a step further. It goes to this single-minded devotion to God. So if you write in your Bible or you're taking notes, you want to put, you know, pure in heart, put equals single-minded devotion to God. Singleness of purpose, without distraction, without corrupting influence, a heart that's undivided. You see, when we're saved by Jesus, we're declared in that moment by the Lord that we are forgiven of our past, our present, and our future. Isn't that good news? Isn't that amazing to think about how Jesus, he does, he forgives us of our past, he forgives us of today, and he forgives us of our future? That's justification. The gavel's come down. You are declared innocent. i got to work on this gavel, right? That does not sound like law and order right there, right? And along with this declaration is this purifying work in our heart as we receive the righteousness of Christ. Which means, once again, you can't earn it. So what has Christ done? He has given you, the, the church word we like to say is imputed, right? He's placed upon you his righteousness so that you can, through the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you are, you are declared sanctified. You're declared holy. You're declared right with the Lord. And then until Christ comes back again, we're called to mature in Christ, which means that we look more like Jesus. It's putting off the old self and being a new creation in Christ. I love those words, in Christ. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, congratulations, you are in Christ which means Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. You're in Him. So we, we learn what it means to not only live with a pure heart, it's declared to be holy, but it's a, a daily purity of heart that we live with. I'm seeking daily to live through Christ in my mind, in my decisions, in my will, and in my desires. Now, here's the question for us. I think we got to kind of dig into just a little bit here at the beginning. What are ways sometimes that our hearts can get it wrong? What is that? Or another way maybe to say this is, what does it mean for us to have impure hearts, right? You see, we have this misconception out there in the world that, you know what, as long as you just have a sincere heart that the Lord is going to just love you. But we can be sincere in our desires, but if we have the wrong desires, we're sincerely wrong. So turn with me to Jeremiah 17. We're going to kind of pause here for a moment, right? So, you know, we're going to just dig in over in Jeremiah 17. So, you know, you can, you know, let your space go for a little bit. But we're going to dig in here a little bit about understanding the heart, because I think it's so valuable to us. You know, Jeremiah is this interesting book. He's this prophet. He's called by God to go to Jerusalem, Right? And he's constantly being asked to preach about the judgment of God. And I mean, and the thing that I just do, and I've been studying Jeremiah here lately, is 
you just see a, a couple of things. One is just all the illustrations. You know, Jeremiah, he would go around and he would, he would just do all these illustrations just to show the condition of the people's hearts. He had kings that were against him. He had priests that were against him. I mean, they took him. They threw him down in a mud well at one time, left him there to die. And he ended up, you know, having somebody come along. But all along, he's, it's this constant message from Jeremiah. The Lord wants your heart more than anything else. He wants your heart. And I, and I believe this is a struggle for many of us today. Our, our motivations and desires can be constantly under attack. We're constantly asked to do this and do that when all God wants is your heart. Hear me when I say it. God wants your heart. So what I want to do today real quick is just a heart checkup, okay? Uh, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing more and more the value of heart checkups, okay? But not only the way that we see them, but I want you to see the way that God looks at our hearts because it's so key to understanding this pure in heart. The first symptom of an impure heart is immorality. Immorality. Look at what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. The heart is deceitful above all things. Now let's pause right there for a second. The deceitful means immorality. Our, our hearts alone do not, think, do not seek the things of God. We're, we're selfish. And you think about it. Our hearts, our motivations, our desires, they often lead us astray. That was such a problem with the, the people of Israel. I mean, think about whenever Moses went up and he got the Ten Commandments, right? He goes up on this mountain. It's the presence of God is there. It's this powerful thing. He tells the children of Israel before he goes, he goes, hey, I'm going up here. I'm getting the law. I'm going to come back down. We're going to celebrate, right? Well, when he goes back, he goes up, he comes back down. What, what are they doing? They had built an idol. They had, they had totally taken everything, and they were involved in all this sin that was happening right there in that moment. They had let their hearts go astray just like that into immorality. How do our hearts sometimes go astray so easily? We look to substitutes to find fulfillment. We look to wealth. We look to pleasure, power honor where we really need the grace the mercy the truth the correction of the lord and yet what we want to do is we want to seek all these substitutes of our wants and here's what we want to do we want to put spiritual tags all over them claiming them as the plan of god we listen to this lie just be true to your heart yeah it's hard to be true to our hearts when our hearts are not true Understand the condition of our hearts. The Bible shows us right here how immoral we are, impure that we are. Romans 3.23, all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Listen, friend, even on your best day, you're a sinner. <laughs> you're in need of God's grace and mercy. But not only is there the symptom of immorality, there's also the symptom of incurability. Look at what it goes on to say there. Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and is incurable. Some translations say desperately wicked. Do you know there's over 100,000 diseases out there? Over 100,000 diseases. Some of the diseases are curable. It means that there's, there's a medicine, there's a, a treatment, there's a procedure that will cure the disease. 
But then there's also some of the diseases that are out there that they are just merely treatable. They're manageable. Here's what I think so often that we want to try and do is we just want to treat and manage our hearts instead of fully surrender to the cure, Jesus Christ. That's what I think is the condition of our world, the condition of a lot of our churches. We're just trying to manage the sin that's in our life. We're incurable. Word here speaks of sickness in our heart more than anything else. We're gravely ill. We're rebellious, disobedient. We live out of our heart's desires. We, we, and here's the thing that we're often really good about doing in the church is that we want to look outside and we want to say, well, look at every, they, all of them. They are incurable. This is a heart checkup for us today. Those that claim the name of Jesus, I look at what my heart yearns for, what it's motivated by, and I can see that my heart sometimes is just as desperately wicked as the world. So how do we seek cures? And we, we have people that run to the things of this world to find a cure for their wickedness, don't they? Even in the church, we want to run to money, we want to run to pleasure, we want to go to escapism. Yet all they're trying to do is cover up a symptom. It's putting a Band-Aid on a wound that never heals. Friend, hear me today. It's only, only through the blood of Jesus, only through His grace, only through His mercy, only through the gift of eternal life that your heart can be cured. That's it. So it's immurable, immoral, it's incurable. Finally, what you see, the symptom of the heart is indiscernible. Look there at verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and is incurable, desperately wicked. Who can know it? The point that Jeremiah is making here is from being deceived and desperate, we can become blind to the condition of our heart. I find it interesting when it comes to knowing the condition of our heart, Jesus uses two illustrations to describe it. First, he uses a, a cup. Now, I've, I've got an old coffee cup at the house. Any of y'all got a coffee cup? It's kind of your daily coffee cup, you know what I mean? And in that coffee cup, I mean, that's where my coffee goes in pretty much every single day. All right? Now, okay, being a little transparent, you know, do I wash it perfectly probably every single day? No. I mean, I, I run some water through, I scrub it down every now and then, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, there's still within the side of that coffee cup, what is there? There's a stain. There can be a little bit of a stain, right? I don't want there to be a stain, you know, but it's just coffee. I mean, but it, naturally, sometimes it happens. What's Jesus saying? He uses that same illustration, how sometimes there's stain that's on the inside, yet on the outside, we want everything to look good. In fact, the other illustration he would use was a tomb. It was really common, you know, during Jesus' time that during Passover, what they would, all the priests from around the area, different people, is they would try to come to the temple area, right? And so whenever they're coming to the temple, one of the things that, that they would do is they would have to walk along these paths. And whenever they're walking along these paths, one of the things that the priests could not do is they couldn't touch a tomb, anything related to death on the way. Because if they touched it, they would have been what? Unclean. If you remember, remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Right? He, the, the guy's lying in the ditch, about to die. And who walked by? The priest, the Levite walked by. Why? They didn't want to touch him. They were on their way. They, went, they didn't want to touch the, the dead thing in the, that they thought of. And so here's what happened that they started to do in Jerusalem. 
is what they did is they, they started to wash the tombs. Think about that. They're washing these tombs. So just in case if a priest happened to walk by and barely touch, he would be okay to keep on going. What's on the inside of that tomb? Death. <laughs> and yet they were more concerned about what? The outside. Friend, what a picture of how God knows us. He knows the stain of sin on the inside of our lives. He knows that we're dead on the inside. He knows of our deceitfulness, our wickedness, the uncleanness on the inside of our hearts. And yet we're often more concerned on the outside, what everyone else can see. I believe that may be somebody even here today. You've been living only for what people see. You're giving on social media the highlight reel of your life. And that's it. When really what's on the inside is just not what the Lord desires. God's referred to in Acts as the knower of our heart. He knows us inside and out. Yet, hear this, He loves you. He loves you. God demonstrated His love for us in that while we were still, what? Sinners. The stain was on the inside that what? Christ died for us. So what does this look like? What's the application for us? Right? We've, we've kind of talked through. All right, man, Joseph, you, you've really kind of just described some things, right? You, you've said, yeah, okay, immoral, incurable, right? Indiscernible. Okay, what's the, how can I then have this pure heart? What does that look like for me to have this pure heart. I'm going to give you just a simple acrostic, okay? So you just write this right down, write it down somewhere. I'm going to give you just, just four letters and just four words to go with them, all right? P, praise. Be a person of praise. If I want to have a pure heart, right, I want to be a person of praise. Psalm 24, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in its holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in the idol or swear by a false god, they was asking, who's the person that can praise the Lord? Who's the person that can lift up his name? Who desires to be in community with God? Man, there should be no greater desire in our life than to be in community with God and with his people doing what? Praising his name. Lifting up his name. It's praise that comes from clean hands, a serving heart. In a pure heart. See, we often, we make praise about ourselves in the church. It's, it's my struggle. It's, it's my pain. It's my suffering. It's really all about Jesus, guys. When we consider the grace that saved us, the, the mercy has been shown to us, the love that he lavished on us, the blessings he's bestowed on, on us, we shouldn't be able to keep silent. There should be a song in our heart that goes with us every single day, no matter the circumstances or the suffering. There should be a desire inside us to lift up His name and glorify Him alone. So here you go. Question for you. All right, we might want to write this down. Great thought, just to think through. What am I praising God for today? What am I praising Him for today? So not only does it involve praise, 
All right, so here's the next letter. Y'all ready? We got P, we got praise, right? All right, here comes the next one. U, unwavering. Any of y'all watch some of the, you know, horse races on TV? I'm not meaning go and bet, you know, in Kentucky. I'm just saying you watched them, right? You know, it's amazing. These powerful, powerful animals, right? These thoroughbreds, man, they're just, they're just running, right? And do you ever notice what those, they have on their face? They have those, the horses have those things right there by their eyes. They're called blinders. And the intention behind those blinders is so that they won't get distracted from what's on the side, but that they'll keep running forward no matter what. Remember, purity in heart means a singleness, this devotion. What a great picture of what our heart is to be, how to have a pure heart. Run your race to Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted. God would often tell the children of Israel, hey, don't turn to the right or turn to the left. What? Go forward. Right of Hebrews says, May we hold fast the unwavering profession of the hope for faithful is he who did promise. To hold fast the unwavering profession means that we're not tossed here and there. We aren't chasing fantasies of our devotion. There's not compartments to steal our focus. Our heart is every day unwavering to the things of Jesus. What a great truth just to teach others. What a great truth to live out. Here's the question for you. All right, write it down. Am I living unwavering for the Lord or am I being distracted? Am I unwavering in relationships? Hey, you know what? I started dating this girl and, you know, she's cute, she's cool and everything like that, but you know, she's, she's kind of distracted me from wanting to be a part of the things of Jesus. You know, I'm, uh, in my marriage, I find myself often real kind of easily getting distracted. We're not, we're not running our race to Christ together. You know, in, in parenting, you know what? There's just been some, some things that have come up. It's been kind of easier to, to maybe, you know, let's, let's put this aside instead of following Christ in teaching our kids at work. It's been real easy for me to kind of just, you know what, I could be a little wavering there. That way everybody's okay. You know, I want to keep being the cool person at work, right? Those are, those are the kind of things sometimes that come up. Am I letting things take my focus off of Jesus? All right, so we got a person of praise, right? Everybody say praise. 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 We're going to be unwavering. Everybody say unwavering. Boom. Here we go. R, righteousness. Listen, to be pure in heart means that there's some things of your past you're going to let go in order to pursue the things of Jesus. Paul does this amazing illustration in his letters where he talks about whenever you, you place your faith in Christ, this maturing in Christ that we talked about, he says it's this, this picture of being clothed in Jesus. It's this putting on of Christ, right? Listen to what he says, Romans 13. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness. Verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Ephesians 4, put on the new self, put on. Here it goes, clothing. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Colossians 3, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
Clothe yourselves. Put on what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Y'all remember that movie? Uh, anybody remember the movie Leatherheads? Had George Clooney, John Krasinski. And, you know, it's kind of the origins of football and, you know, kind of some of the first football games I've ever played. And if not, I mean, it's okay movie, you know, whatever. But anyways, I remember kind of one of the final scenes. You know, they're playing one of the, I think it was like one of the first Super Bowls or whatever it was. I don't know, some big game. And George Clooney, you know, he kind of knows this is going to be the last play of the game. And so what, is, what does he do? He's kind of known for some of the trick plays. And it's muddy. I mean, it's just the, the field, everybody's just sliding everywhere. It's just completely muddy. And so they, they come up to this next to last play, right? They snap the ball, and George Clooney, he, he kind of goes out there with this guy that's, you know, running with him. And he just looks at that guy and just cold cocks him, knocks him right out, okay? And the guy is just laying out there in the mud, okay? And he's covered in mud already. Nobody's over there seeing him or anything like that. Well, Clooney realizes that he's covered in mud as well. And so he goes and he stands on the other team by them so that he can run the next play to do a trick play. And what's happened? Nobody else noticed at all what happened. You know, he's just standing there, just kind of off to the side, and everybody thinks that he's a part of the team. Now, here's the question all that. Do people know what team that you're on? Do they see Jesus in our life? Call is clear for us to desire to be pure in heart. There's some things that we've got to take off in our lives to put on the righteousness of Christ. So here's your question. You ready? What are some things I've been holding on to in my life instead of putting on Jesus? So last thing here, right? We've got P, be a person of what? Praise. You be what? Unwavering. R, to pursue what? Righteousness. All right, E, here we go, encourager. I don't know if you've ever seen this before in Scripture of how, how the pure in heart have this call to encourage others. Think about Moses. Moses was there in that battle, right? They're fighting down the valleys where it's all happening. But they noticed that whenever his hands were lifted, that they started to win the battle, Right? But when it was, he got tired, his hands came down, they started to lose. So what happened? Aaron and Hur came along, and what did they do? They lifted up his hands. That same encouragement, if you go to the end of Deuteronomy, some of the last words of Moses, what's he telling Joshua? What? Be strong and courageous. Right? He was passing on encouragement. Paul wrote to Timothy, press on in the faith. Timothy would go on to encourage the churches in the faith. Jesus himself came to a, a broken Peter, right? He had denied him. And yet he called him and he said, feed my sheep. Feed them. Peter would go on to encourage the church, endure suffering for the name of Jesus. You notice how encouragement's a chain reaction? Whenever you're being encouraged, it ought to encourage you to want to go encourage somebody else. That's what being a pure in heart is about. That I'm encouraging, that I'm passing on this, this chain reaction to lift others up. It's that part of that singleness of devotion that I'm telling them, hey, I see that you're running your race for Christ. Keep going. Keep going. I know it's tough. I know you've had some pain. I know you've had some struggles. But you know what? Keep going. 
In the name of Christ, keep going. See, encouragement is an act of love. And one of the purposes, I believe, of the church is, yes, we gather, we glorify, we lift up the name of Jesus every single week, but this all be a place that you come in and you find encouragement to keep on going. That's a part of what we do. So we've got praise, unwavering, righteousness, and encouragement. Now, I said at the beginning, there's a promise of what? Blessed, right? But notice as well, I want to show you this this last part of this promise. Go there, back to Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? See God. That's a statement of fellowship with God. See, where sin fogs and clouds the heart so that no one can see God. Those that that are pure in heart, have this single-minded devotion, this genuine spirit, they're experiencing God's presence in the most intimate way. And this, this intimacy, we have to remember, it's not based upon our merits. It's not based upon how good that I am. Now, you might be saying, you know what, Joseph, my life seems to be more blind to the things of God rather than seeing them. When, when you were talking about the condition of the heart, it was almost like, you know what, Joseph, have you hacked into my computer? Have you been seeing some of the things that I've been going through? Have you been seeing some of the things that I've been seeing? You look at your desires, they're deceitful, they're wicked. You're pursuing sin in your life. Friend, listen, you're in the perfect place for the redemption of God. You're in the perfect place because you're seeing how truly lost that you are. You see, you can't save yourself. I can't be pure in heart on my own in order to see God. It's only through Christ. And I'm not talking about a lifestyle change that happens for only just a few years or so. I'm talking about a transplant, a heart transplant. See, my prayer today is that today that for those that are here that are without Jesus Christ, that we will allow the heart surgeon of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to do a work on us like never before. That we'll simply surrender Him, stop fighting to keep our desires, and let Him change our hearts. The question is, will you surrender to Him today? Are you ready for a transplant? Are you ready for new desires, new motives, a new life? a new mind, a new direction, a new destiny of eternal life? Are you ready to cross over from death with a dead heart to receiving the gift of eternal life? Guys, it only happens when we receive the grace and mercy of God. We come with open hands and just say, Lord, here I am. Here's my heart. Make it yours. So my prayer today is that today will be a day of the great exchange. You'll, you'll look at your heart and you'll say, you know what, I'm without Jesus. There's never been this time in my life when I look back over it, when I truly surrendered my heart, I was holding on to myself, I was holding on to my rights, I was holding on to everything for me, for me, for me. But I see today how my heart is immoral, incurable, how it's indiscernible, and and I want to cross over from death to life, and I see what Jesus did on the cross. I see what he, the price that he paid to have my heart. Once again, he wants your heart more than anything else. I just simply say, Lord, I'm, 
I surrender to you today. I surrender to you today. The heart surgeon will come. And he'll take your old heart. Here's the good news. He gives you a new heart in him. A new heart and a new song in him. And because he lives, you have a new life in Christ. Now, Christian, what about you? You know, there's this kind of this interesting thing. There's this uh, procedure that happens with hearts. It's called a cardioversion. And in this, what happens is that our hearts can get to beating irregularly. And what they sometimes have to do is they have to come and they have to shock it back into rhythm. Think about that. Has your heart been out of rhythm maybe with the Lord? Has your heart kind of not been in fellowship with Him the way that He's called you to be? And you look back over and you go, you know what? Jesus, I just want to surrender to that today. I want my heart to be back in rhythm with you, whether it's serving, whether it's being a person of praise, whether it's being unwavering, whether it's pursuing the things of righteousness, being somebody of encouragement. I, Lord, I'm ready to get back in rhythm with you to be after your heart. That's the invitation today. I want to invite the musicians to come back up. I want to pray for us. As they're coming back up, I want you just to right now in this moment, just stop and think through your heart. Think through where you are today with Him. Are you here without Jesus? Friend, let the great exchange happen today. Are you here to where... You need to get back in rhythm with Him. I know John's going to be up here to pray with people. I'll, I'll be here to the side if you want to pray with somebody. But, but friends, let's, let's really do some heart business today. Do some reflection and see where the Lord's leading us. Let's pray. God, we, we praise You. We give to You this time. Lord, I pray that we, walked out of here, we walk out of here totally changed today. God, that we walk out of here having new hearts. And maybe for the person that is that's lost right here in this moment, that they've been trying to do the checklist of salvation, that God, that they'll see that they just can't do it. And maybe they've just realized that today. Your heart is desperately wicked. And Lord, that you've seen their heart and you're offering them today, right now, the chance to have a new heart in you. That God, that they'll receive that gift of eternal life. That they'll place their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, that they'll see the death that he died to take their sin, to take their dirty heart, to give them a new life in Christ. Lord, that that will happen right now in this moment. And maybe for the, the church member that's here, Lord, that their life has looked more like being out of sync than in sync with you. Lord, that they will be somebody that's praising you, that they'll be unwavering, that, Lord, they will be seeking righteousness, that they'll be an encourager. And, and God, maybe they just need to walk across the aisle to somebody today and say, keep on going. That, God, we'll join arms and we'll, we'll pray like never before and call out your name as a church like never before. God, may that happen today for you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.